mission is to bring you guys inspiration, education, and a ton of tips to help you on your fitness journey. And today's episode is, it's going to be a little bit more complicated, but I'm going to try and keep it super simple because it's for those of you guys out there that are struggling with weight loss, can't seem to lose weight, or maybe you're gaining weight and you don't really know how to stop it. Maybe you've been told that you have some condition, something like PCOS, something like hormone issues, something like a metabolic disorder that you're trying to figure out how do I navigate this complex condition and actually still see weight loss and, or, you know, being told essentially that because you had this condition is why you're gaining weight and why you can't lose weight. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to help you guys out today with understanding what you need to be doing to help yourself be more effective at losing body fat, help yourself overcome some of these conditions, get you feeling better. And also just talk about a couple of other topics that kind of underline under these things, uh, including things like processed foods and elimination diet. So a couple of different topics today. So stay tuned because you might get value out of the later part of this episode or the beginning part of this episode. You can always fast forward, uh, but definitely want to kind of keep you guys engaged. So I'm going to try and keep everything as simple as possible, as I already said. So first things first, if you get value out of this episode, you find anything that I say today helpful for you, please let me know, shoot me a DM. I know these complex topics in particular can be super, super stressful. They can be super, what's the word I'm looking for? They can just tend to be very sensitive subjects because honestly, a lot of people that have them have dealt with them for years and years and years. And they're super frustrating because a lot of times you guys are actually trying different things to lose weight, to, to fix these sick these issues and nothing seems to be working. And that's really the main reason that I wanted to talk to you guys about this today, because I know how many people out there are being told, like, if you cut out gluten or you cut out dairy, that all of a sudden these symptoms are going to go away, or you're going to feel better. You're going to lose weight. And it's not always the case. So hopefully today I will give you guys some, some true, true tips to help you guys out and hopefully cut through some of the bullshit that you are hearing out there. So first things first, let's talk a little bit about the main reason I started this topic is I do have some clients and have had people reach out to me in different Facebook groups who deal with things like PCOS, hyperthyroid, hormone dysregulation, different types of autoimmune conditions. And, you know, essentially we know that there is a link between having these conditions and having a lower functioning metabolism. It makes it a lot harder for you to lose weight. It makes it a lot harder for you to maintain your weight. You, you gain weight very easily. Uh, you have a lot of other things going on. A lot of times some gut issues, some mental health issues, um, mood issues, energy issues, a bunch of stuff going on, right? And a lot of people are looking for the solution to these problems. And a lot of what they're being told is, well, if we move, if we remove carbohydrates, then maybe we're going to get better insulin sensitivity. Or if we remove these food sensitivities that you have, maybe we're going to see an improvement in your gut health and all of these different things. And, and likely you're out there and you probably tried one, two, three, five, six, a number of these things, even things like fasting and detoxes, all of these different things to hopefully help reverse or improve the symptoms and side effects of having these conditions. Uh, but what people don't tell you is, is there's a difference between correlation and causation, right? And that is the main thing that I want to start with in today's episode is I think that in a lot of ways, people are seeing the weight gain and the inability to lose weight as the direct effect of the symptom of the actual condition, like the PCOS, the hyperthyroid or the hypothyroid, the hormone dysregulation that's causing the weight gain that is causing the inability to lose weight. And that's not necessarily always the case. Now, these conditions can make it significantly more difficult for you to lose weight. And they do downregulate your metabolism, making it easier for you to put on weight because you have a less calorie or a, a lower calorie budget. But what actually caused these symptoms? And I think that in a lot of ways, people are looking to demonize foods. It must be gluten. It must be dairy. It must be this. It must be that. And they're not looking at the bigger picture that there's a bunch of other things that likely happened 
for years and years and years, even in the developmental stages of being a young adult, being a child that have kind of perpetuated changes in your body composition, not just from a lean muscle tissue and a fat tissue, but the different types of hormones and things like that, the different production of hormones that have also changed the trajectory of how your body developed in those earlier stages. And now as an adult, or even as older in age, as you're getting into your forties and fifties and things are starting to change again, all these things are kind of catching up with you. And, and that's why I want to talk to you guys about this correlation versus causation thought is, is that in a lot of ways, we look at these conditions, like they're the problem, why we can't lose weight. But in reality, they were actually at one point, the problem that came from another problem, which happened to be something that we likely were in control of, meaning our lifestyle, how much we slept, how much we worked out, how much we moved throughout the day, what types of food we, foods we were eating. Guys, a lot of people out there, and if you do struggle with these symptoms, if you can actually honestly ask yourself growing up before you had been diagnosed with this stuff, what were your habits like? What types of foods did you eat? What type of training did you do? Were you an active child or were you in front of a TV or an iPad? What did you do before you were diagnosed with these symptoms? Because a lot of times, if we look back that far, we will realize that we were likely putting on some weight before these symptoms were actually coming uh, or being, what's the word, before we were actually developing these symptoms and then before we were actually diagnosed. And then, boom, the diagnosis came and it was like, oh, that's why I'm putting on weight because I have this condition. But in reality, we weren't looking at all the things we were actually in control of that might've been causing it. And the other thing is, is that we focus so much on the things, right? The, the diet, the this, that. When in reality, that is still just a correlation. It wasn't necessarily the diet. It wasn't necessarily the sedentary lifestyle. It was the fact that those things typically will cause an increase in our fat storage and our fat, it causes fat, fat hypertrophy or fat, fat cells, hypertrophy or hyperplasia. So we're, our fat cells are increasing and are, or they're multiplying. So it is not necessarily the, the lifestyle. It is the fact that the lifestyle causes the increase in adipose tissue, which then causes the increase or the decrease or whatever you want to call it, the downregulation, the dysregulation of all of our hormones, which then causes the problem. Now we have this condition that we have to treat. Now this condition is putting the nail on the head. We can't do anything to lose weight. Everything we try doesn't help us lose weight. Now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of how we could actually change that scenario for you and get you to be more effective in your fat loss journey, but it's not going to always be comfortable. The main thing that I want you to get out of that whole topic is that correlation is not always causation. And even though all of those things are linked, the PCOS makes it harder for you to lose weight. These thyroid conditions make it harder for you to lose weight. Hormones make it harder for you to lose weight. They weren't the cause. There was a cause before the cause. They are now the cause, but they weren't always the cause. And that the real truth is, is that if you can improve your body composition, if we can figure out how to get you to improve your body composition, a lot of times, a lot of these symptoms and the negative aspects of these conditions will correct themselves and will go away. So that's the main thing that I wanted to get out of that. Now, another piece, of this is what I'm going to go into is a lot of people focus so much on nutrition, which is the right place to start. Nutrition is a huge place to start, but they focus solely on removal of foods, removing gluten, removing dairy, uh, you know, cutting out processed foods, those types of things. And that's also not always effective because the truth is it's not always about those foods that we're removing. It's often about what we're missing in our diet. And that focusing solely on removal of those foods 
is still not going to necessarily improve your body composition, which is the main goal. We've got to get you to improve the body composition, which will then improve the symptoms. This is also where, guys, if you know somebody who is, man, I cut out this, I went on this paleo diet, I was finally able to lose weight, and I finally improved these symptoms. What actually caused the improvement of the symptoms? It was likely maybe a little bit of the diet, the increase in micronutrients, but it was more likely that the changes in their body composition also changed how they felt. It changed their hormone balance. It changed all of those things. So it all comes down to controlling our body composition for the better. So second piece of this that I'm going into today is I'm going to talk about, you know, food sensitivities and things like that. And it it goes into inflammation because also all of these symptoms are often triggered by inflammatory processes in the body, or they actually might cause inflammatory processes in the body. So if you're someone that finds yourself super inflamed, have a lot of joint pain, or you, you have a lot of systemic inflammation, your gut's always messed, all of those different things, inflammation is another thing that people really look to food issues to kind of correct, but they're forgetting about a lot of other things that are actually playing a factor in this inflammation. And I'm going to go into this topic because I think it goes hand in hand with how we're going to actually get you to improve your body composition. A lot of people that are inflamed, okay, not all people, there are lean people that are inflamed, there are people that live chronic stress, um, are also carrying some extra body fat. And once again, we're going to go into why body composition plays a factor. But I want to start by talking about the three different types of inflammation that I want to go over today that are also closely linked to a lot of these conditions and how we can kind of look at them. Number one is gut health. And this is where a lot of people do go into the rabbit hole of removing food food groups and things like that, that we know that there are specific foods that are likely more pro-inflammatory for our gut microbiome. However, there are also a lot of foods that are pro, or not so I say pro, are anti-inflammatory in nature for our gut microbiome. They are going to increase our um, good bacteria, which help do a, a number of other things. And the number one thing that I want to talk to you guys about is fiber intake. Also, once again, people that are eating a mostly whole food, minimally processed diet are likely also getting in a lot more fiber. This is also a plug for why those of you guys out there that are trying things like ketogenic diets, low carb carnivore diets, while trying to improve some of these symptoms might not always be doing the right thing for your condition. That increasing your intake of fruits, vegetables, and whole grains might actually be improving your gut microbiome a little bit better than you would think. So Fiber, guys, has so many benefits, including it increases your body's energy expenditure at rest because it improves mitochondrial function. It obviously takes more uh, more effort for your body to digest thermic effective feeding. And a couple of other things, primarily also is pro-anti, I keep wanting to say pro-anti, but it's anti-inflammatory in nature because it helps increase those good gut bacteria. So increasing your fiber intake is going to help improve your gut health. But the things that negatively impact our gut health uh, are those are pro-inflammatory foods or what I would like to call that standard American diet. These are where we can run into problems because if we're always relying on a lot of these standard American diet foods, processed vegetable oils, fried foods, a lot of those white flour products, we are also exacerbating problems in our gut by, by pro, what's the word I'm looking for? We're feeding the bad bacteria. Also things like leaky gut, which is actually what is part of the primary cause of developing food sensitivities and allergies is perpetuated by a standard American diet. So if you're relying on a lot of processed foods, uh, that's also where you can kind of go wrong. So this is where it's not a plug for going quote unquote all the way paleo or also going all the way quote unquote if it fits your macros. We wanna have that 80-20 split. We wanna really know that we wanna be feeding mostly good nutrient dense foods, increasing our gut microflora for the the positive and not overdoing it with the negative stuff. So um, definitely wanted to make sure I talked about that in particular. 
Second piece of inflammation that people don't think about, they're always focusing on foods causing inflammation is, is stress-related changes. So guys, changes in, in the, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic ner nervous system are huge for regulating cortisol and insulin. So if you're always living in a sympathetic nervous system, you're never doing that rest and digest that restorative stuff you are actually increasing your cortisol levels, which by the way, cortisol is not a bad hormone. It's just that too much cortisol is a bad thing. Our body can actually become cortisol resistant, quote unquote. And we don't even get the signals anymore. We're not even hearing the signals or we're being signaled that we have too much cortisol, but our body's not doing anything with it. So stress is a huge factor in inflammation. Simply by decreasing your activity in your sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system and increasing your parasympathetic nervous system activity, we can actually see improvements in our inflammation markers. And then the last one that I wanted to talk to you guys about today, which goes hand in hand with what I was saying in the beginning is fat related inflammation. So this is where people think about, um, I'm overweight because I have insulin resistance. I'm overweight because I have this condition. I have diabetes because I'm, it's, it's really what came first, the chicken or the egg guys, excess body fat is going to lead to inflammation, insulin resistance, things like that. It causes fat cell dysfunction. And that is where if we work to improve our body composition, we can actually see improvements in our inflammation. Once again, improvements in some of those other conditions as well. By the way, studies have shown that even without a decrease in body fat, um, but actually changes in our body composition by including, increasing our resistance training, we can actually improve uh, some of these uh, symptoms from having too much accumulated body fat without actually changing the scale. So little plug for you guys out there that are, are working only um, primarily on the diet aspect to get yourself moving a little bit more, get yourself in the gym, get yourself doing some resistance training and things like that. So overall of that stuff between the, the main topics of the different conditions and the talk about inflammation, what I want you guys to understand is a couple of key components. One, if we improve our body composition, we are going to be able to help ourselves improve some of these underlying medical conditions. Number two is if we are eating a primarily mostly whole food diet full of fruits, vegetables, micronutrient rich foods, lots of proteins, we are going to see improvements in our gut microflora that is going to help with our, our thermic effective feeding. It's gonna help our metabolism. It's gonna help remove some inflammation, but also not to get down the rabbit hole of focusing on those soul foods, those picking out those things that we think are gonna be the magic pill for removing this inflammation because there are other factors as well. And so that last piece of that guys, if I know I said two things, the third thing is looking at our lifestyle in a general, in general. So making sure we are moving and we're decreasing our stress levels and things like that. Now, as I'm gonna go into the application of nutrition um, on this side of things is uh, starting to talk a little bit about how people do try and, and if you should be trying some of these like elimination-based diets. And I'll be honest, the only main reason that I would do an elimination diet is if a person is dealing with severe gut issues. And I think that they really need like a complete reset. And I do this because it usually will take four to six weeks. It gives their body a chance to, you know, change their digestive enzymes and things like that. But in reality, the only way I would do that is if a person hadn't already taken a look at their nutrition from a processed food versus whole food, uh, a process versus whole food uh, ratio and seeing kind of where they're at. And that's kind of the rabbit hole that I want to go down right now for those of you guys out there that are kind of in this place of confusion as to what really matters when it comes to choosing the right foods for improving our health, improving our gut microbiome, improving our body composition, getting more fiber and all these things. And, and there's this huge debate between like whole foods, processed foods and things like that. So what I want to talk about now is, is kind of shifting gears and we're going to tie it back into all of your guys' goals out there, which is, hey, I want to get leaner and I have this condition. So how do I do that is processed foods. Okay. So 
obviously if you're in that if it fits your macros camp you're like anything fits it's okay it's going to change my body composition doesn't always work in these cases right obviously if you're listening to this podcast still you're aware of that you're like i've tried that doesn't work for me um because there is some merit to knowing that there are specific nutrients that we can be deficient in and just increasing those nutrients might actually increase your metabolism um but this processed food versus whole foods debate is what i want to start with and and kind of going down that elimination diet thing so first and foremost what is quote unquote a processed food? Well, according to the Department of Ag Agriculture, processed foods are any raw agricultural commodities that have been washed, cleaned, milled, cut, chopped, heated, pasteurized, blanched, cooked, canned, frozen, dried, dehydrated, mixed, or packaged. Anything done to them that alters their natural state. This may include adding preservatives, flavors, nutrients, and other additives or substances approved by approved for use in food products such as salt, sugars, and fats. So everything you eat in some way shape or form is processed even your quote-unquote vegetables and fruits so there's no non-processed foods out there now there is a category of our less processed into our more processed foods and the more natural state of food is the more thermic effect it's going to have uh likely the more nutrients it's going to contain more fiber it's going to contain and the more of those foods you want to be eating whereas on the opposite end of the, of the spectrum um, the more broken down a food is, the more ingredients that are in it, the more process it is, the more thing, the more things we've done to change it, chemical makeup. Guys, even changing the the food, uh, what should we call it? The uh, the mixtures and and the different uh, what's the word? Like think of it like a recipe. So the more the more recipes you add or the more ingredients you add to a recipe, you actually change the chemical makeup of it. So you change how your body's going to digest it as well. So your minimally processed foods, like I already mentioned, are going to be a lot of your fruits and vegetables, nuts. Uh, things like that. And then you're going to look into things like your milk, your your tuna, um, your you know jarred pasta sauces, salad dressings. Then you're going to go into things like crackers, chips, things like that, deli, deli meats. And then you're going to go into your most processed, which is going to be like your frozen pizzas, your microwave dinners and things like that. So it kind of goes in that order. Now, for most clients, if 80% of your diet is primarily coming from minimally processed foods and like 20% of them is coming from the very opposite of that, that's totally fine. And if that's you and you're already doing that, then maybe you are looking at possibly looking at some different food sensitivities. But I'm going to talk about a second piece of that before you go into that. If you're looking at why is my weight not moving? Why am I not seeing any changes in my inflammation markers? So we want to make sure that we are sticking to mostly a primarily 80% minimally processed diet with 20% of them coming from there. Now, when it comes to the whole foods for, you know, versus processed foods being bad versus good. What I want you guys to understand is that's not the case. It's not that one is bad and one is good. What I want you guys to see is like the less processed, likely the more nutrient dense, the more body beneficial. We're going to actually see improvements in our blood biomarkers and our health for, for eating these things. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the more processed foods, likely the more calorie dense and also the more mentally beneficial they become. So those are the foods that are for pleasure. We enjoy eating them at a social setting. And those are also okay. They just have to make up a smaller percentage of things. So when it comes to if and when you should be looking at food removals and elimination style diets, I'm going to say there's one other piece of this that people don't look at is if you are eating mostly primarily whole minimally processed foods and not losing weight, and you are not already controlling calorie intake that I would start there because this is where a lot of people don't realize that it might not necessarily be the foods by not changing your body composition. You're not actually removing the inflammatory markers. You're not actually decreasing the amount of fat you have in your body. We need to get the body fat down to remove the inflammation. So calorie control is where this comes into play. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky because if you have some of these conditions that I already mentioned, which right now we're talking about, all right, here I'm at, I know that I 
I developed this issue a long time ago, but now I have it. What do I do? I obviously don't have a well-functioning metabolism now. Where do I go from here? Is you have to understand that your caloric needs are likely on a smaller scale. And there are things that we have to, to consider when we're talking about getting you into a calorie deficit. Number one is how much are you actually moving? So if you're already going to the gym four to six times a week, you're already doing a lot of that, you're, you're getting enough sleep, uh, your daily movement is in check, and you really don't feel like you can add any more activity without adding stress or actually negatively impacting your inflammation markers, then activity might not be the problem. That's where we have to look at calorie intake. So if you aren't already tracking your food, we want to actually get an accurate food journal, not just guesstimating things, but an actual weight and measured food journal for about seven to 10 days. Yes, seven to 10 days of looking at your total intake for those seven to 10 days, not just one or two days. We need to see weekends, weekdays, stressful days, non-stressful days. We might actually have to look at the whole thing because you didn't get this way overnight. You're not going to change overnight, right? So we want to see the whole picture. So seven to 10 days is usually a good place. Two weeks is even better. Um, we want to look at actual calories. Then we actually want to look at the makeup of those calories. How much fiber are you getting? How much protein are you getting? Um, what, what's your balance of fats to carbs? Because that also plays a difference in the thermic effective feeding. And then we're looking to optimize the thermic effective feeding. Now we're looking at, okay, can we increase your calorie expenditure without increasing your activity by changing the types of foods you're eating, by putting more thermogenic foods in your body? Because just cutting out foods doesn't necessarily mean you're eating more thermogenic foods. So getting in more protein and more fiber are going to be huge for you. So that's number two on this. We want to increase your calorie output, whatever ways we can, whether it's actually looking at your movement throughout the day or the quality of the food you're eating, the makeup of those calories in terms of macros, in terms of fiber, in terms of whole foods, minimally processed versus a more processed product. So that's also where I don't recommend people doing a lot of protein shakes and things like that, because it's also very healthy but also more process and it's going to take less energy for your body to break down. Once again, you are already working at a little bit of a deficit per se in weight loss because you have a metabolic condition. So the more we can optimize things, the better off you're going to be. And then the second piece of this is understanding that because your calorie needs are lower, if we're already optimizing everything and we're at the limit of what you can actually handle adding in or what you're willing or capable to do, then it becomes, hey, we have to drop calorie intake, that our calorie intake needs to go down and figuring out that balance of understanding that nutrition periodization does not always mean you have to always be eating less. It just might mean we have to maybe do some calorie cycling, which I talked about last week in my Facebook group where we're taking some periods of time and we're really focusing on, all right, for two to three weeks, I'm gonna be in a bigger calorie deficit, but then I'm gonna give myself a week break. It's finding a way to create a calorie deficit that's going to allow you to see improved body composition without causing you to honestly be non-compliant, which is really what it is. So that was a lot to talk about today, but I, I know it all kind of ties in together. Is the main thing that I want you guys to understand is that we've got to improve your body composition. That is hopefully going to improve the symptoms of whatever issues you're dealing with. And to do that, the main thing is getting you into a calorie deficit. We can do that in a number of ways, but the main way is the one that's going to allow you to be compliant for the long haul. So Hopefully this episode was helpful for you guys. I know it was a long-winded episode, a lot of talking, and hopefully I didn't talk too quickly. But if you do want more information on how to maybe optimize your diet for, obviously, if you if you know you're struggling right now and you're like, man, I really need to figure this out, um, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. We'd love to hear from you. And we will go from there. Happy 4th of July, guys. I am recording this on the 4th of July. Talk to y'all soon.